Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. Okay, we're live now. Okay, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Boiler Express podcast. Uh, I'm your host, the Ultimate Boiler, uh, also known as Damon. We've got Dylan, Russ, and Frank with us as well. Chris is MIA tonight. He's doing busy law enforcement maker, lawmaker stuff. Oh, yeah, he's got a migraine, so had to sit this one out. <laughs> got a boob. <laughs> but, um, but uh, uh, glad to be back. Uh, we've got a fun episode tonight to talk about. I mean, lots of good stuff to talk about in regards to Purdue Athletics. Had a really good, um, surprising win. And when I say surprising win, I don't mean I was surprised we beat Minnesota. I was surprised in the fashion that we beat Minnesota and the game that unfolded, especially after the first drive, because that first drive was uh, capital U ugly uh, on defense. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a long game. And uh, thankfully, they righted the sh- yeah yeah and uh but thankfully they righted the ship seems like i'm not sure what the difference was uh as far as like play calling goes i mean i know that they ran the ball a lot more but i don't know what made it more successful but we'll we'll talk about all that and everybody's uh, opinions on everything but before we get into that uh guys it's it's that time of the year again um thanksgiving is upon us uh and i think we may have talked about this last year but i don't remember what everybody's answers were uh yeah dylan what's up Uh, no, but seriously, thank you, Russ. And thank you to all the veterans that watch, um, whether you talk shit about us or, or like the show, you know, we, we appreciate you either way. Thank you for the sacrifice that you make for not only, uh, your families, but your country as well. Uh, very appreciative of that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, so, uh, I guess we'll start with the, should we start with Minnesota or should we back it up and start with Sanford? Cause that was before Minnesota. Is that correct? Uh, let's, let's go sport by sport. So let's start, let's start with Minnesota. We'll talk about football. Then we can transition to basketball. How's okay. that? How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. So, uh, I'll just be totally honest. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a long game after that. And, and I said that just a second ago, but I really thought it was going to be a tough game, tough pill to swallow watching that game. Um, <clears throat> after that first drive and it just seemed like Minnesota, I mean, what was it? Four plays and they scored a touchdown on their first yeah, drive. No, like was, going back and rewatching yeah. the game. They, they, you could, they zoomed in on Ryan Walter's face and you could see him four and plays. Like that's exactly what he said which I thought was pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he had no idea he was on national TV at that time. But And so not to like talk about football as a whole, uh, I know we're focused on this game right now, but it, in my opinion, and this is totally off of like my eyeball test, not what actually is on paper or anything, but it just seems like every game kind of starts off like that. It's kind of like shaky the first couple of drives and then it gets figured out. And it's like, to me, it's almost like, are we like, do we not game plan? And, and, and I know that we do, but in my stupid fan, right? I'm like, are we not game planning until the game starts? And then do we figure out what we're going to do? Like, what do you guys, what do you guys so think? Maybe the are you talking about offensively or defensively? 
both. It feels like we're just not like it, it takes us a while. I mean, Minnesota, obviously we, we were, you know, we got off the, you know, we jumped out of the gate running, but um, it feels like every game starts off with like, we're down, you know, and not every game, but a lot of games lately, it's been like, Oh, we're down 14 to zero before we do anything. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I, I definitely feel like defensively we, we kind of struggle at the beginning, at least for me. And I, 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 I don't have anything to back this up, but, it feels like offensively we do a great job moving the ball on our first drive. We just don't ever seem to score. Like we like we'll get like 40, 50 yards and then you know end up punting or something. Like I think about Ohio State. Uh, I think about Iowa. Like we really moved the ball well in that first drive against Ohio State and against Iowa. We just didn't come away with points on either one of them, which has kind of been the story of the offense as a whole this season. You know, is moving down the field but not getting any points out of it. Um, but yeah, this 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 game against Minnesota. You know, we had that crossover podcast with the. The Sky U pod last week, and everyone was predicting a low-scoring game, the game that was kind of dominated by defensive lines, and and we saw the exact opposite. Uh, in my opinion, we saw Kydron Jenkins and Nick Scorton have the least impact on the game that we in on any game that we've had this season. Not that they didn't have an impact, but I think comparatively speaking, combined, I felt like they were not in the backfield as much as as what we've seen previously at their. They're almost wreaking havoc on what I would say like 50, 60% of plays just by the eyeball test. And this past game, it didn't feel that way. But it really feel like the corners came to play, the linebackers came to play. It wasn't that Scorton and Jenkins had a bad game by any means. They just weren't. We didn't win this game in the way that I thought we would. I thought it would be an ugly win. I thought we'd have to eke one out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we can uh, – Hudson Card, who just – he they, there is a, there is a, an unquantifiable – uh something different about him i don't know if it was confidence i don't know I, 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 he just he was doing the right things he was making the right decisions he was he had a he had a certain element of moxie about him i'll say that just he looked really comfortable yeah and uh yeah 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 i would uh, agree with that as well uh he looked comfortable and i i didn't get to watch the whole game but you know from the clips that i did see um, I mean, it, it was just night and day difference than the last three weeks. So it's good to see that these guys can, you know, even though, because as a, as a, uh, and Cody Abram says, can we appreciate that the running yes, backs didn't can. fumble the ball at all? We yes, can we definitely can. appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, appreciate that. Uh, that, that long Maccabee run, I got a little nervous just because I didn't know how well he saw that guy coming up behind him. And, you know, it's always the guy you don't see that causes the fumble. Speaking of mock, I, I felt so bad for him when he went down, when he had that huge run and he went down at the one, like that's got to suck so much as a running back to, I mean, what he run like 62 yards and just, yeah. and he's always that guy that, you know, kind of ekes out a couple extra yards, even with that contact. But you know what the dude coming behind him just kind of got his ankles pretty good. Um, yeah. That's got to suck. I think Frank or Russ has brought that up. How much it sucks to be the running back that takes it all the way down the field and then they bring somebody else in to punch it in. Oh, it's, it's a like, it's a fantasy it. football nightmare too, you know. But uh, Russ, yeah. Russ, I have a. Oh no, I have Tony Pollard on my team. Trust Russ, me, Russ. I have a question for you. When I when I made my comment about Scorton and Jenkins, you kind of you kind of looked at me like you disagreed. I'd love to love to get your take on that. Well, I think one thing that stood out to me with Jenkins was I think he did pretty good in coverage. You know, I think that's been one of his weak points is. When he's not rushing the quarterback, he's a liability. But he actually graded out fairly decent, I think, for somebody whose specialty is rush, rushing the passer. Um, I think that was pretty impressive that he, you know, some of the times it was just because he happened to just kind of he, he looked like he was on skates, but he turned around, was in the right spot, and was able to break up the pass or, um, you know, able to at least, you know, cause enough 
a doubt in the receiver's mind that they didn't catch the, or make the pass or make the um, completion. So, well, I, I feel like there is a um, defensive adjustment in the second half where we were dropping him back more. Like he he would line up on the line of scrimmage, looking like he was about ready to pin his ears back, and then he'd drop back into like a like a middle of the field zone, and you know, Kyle McManus would was trying to drop him back, trying to get the ball out quick on something like a crossing route or something or a quick slant. And Jenkins would be right there to you know, break up the pass. Um, so I, I think I definitely felt like we played defense a little differently. I felt like we played a little bit more zone, maybe a lot more zone than we normally play. Um, but there were a lot of, uh, you know, showing, showing blitz and then dropping into coverage and just confusing uh, the, the opposing quarterback. But um, yeah, that, that, that was, that was my take. I thought Yanni had a pretty good game as well. Maybe we need to have GK3 come out to games more often. I mean, for the team as a whole, you know, putting 49 points up against Minnesota, who's got a pretty stout defense, was uh, pretty awesome to watch. But, um, yeah, I think Yanni is somebody who maybe isn't talk. I know we talk about him, but I think he's maybe not talked about enough. I feel like he's really developed as the season has gone on, and he's gotten more comfortable in this new system, and I'm really excited to see him play next year. So, uh yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how he continues. Yeah, and to we develop. really need it at that inside linebacker position because we you know we've had some injuries there, uh, and depth is you know is at a premium right now. You know, OC Brothers is I think he's out for the season, right? Unfortunately, so it's basically just Yanni mm-hmm. and, and Clyde I Washington so. at that inside linebacker spot. And uh, not to fight the stats guy with stats, but did you happen to see who our highest graded defender was according to PFF? Uh, highest graded defender? Uh, no, I didn't look at the overall defense. But I looked at positions. Nick Scorton. Yeah, I mean, I just, so, I just feel like comparatively speaking, he sense. wasn't, he wasn't causing as much havoc as he, as he normally did. His pass um, rush number. Guess what his pass rush number was? Since you're saying it's good, I'm gonna say ninety-two. Ninety-one-one. So yeah. okay, yeah. Dang. We got a comment here. What's up, gentlemen? Was at the game last What's night. What's going on, Nick? Saturday. Nick, I was also at the game last night. Um. Yeah, we'll get to we'll we'll get to last night's game here in a few minutes. Uh, it was a, it was a fun one, but uh, yeah, I uh, I walked around for a while and I was like, surely I'm going to run into someone I know, and I and I didn't. So I wish I would have ran into you. And that's something I'm interested to talk about that Xavier game uh, here in a little bit too, because I of course am happy with the win, but I uh, and we'll talk about it later. Um, and I'm not agreeing with all of the negativity that was coming out of that win. But it was funny seeing because I didn't get to watch a lot of the game. I would just I had it up on my screen and I was just because I was working on something else. So I'd see bits and pieces. But I swear maybe it's just bad timing. But every time I looked at the screen, we were turning the ball over. Zach missed like an easy, you know, hook shot or layup or something. And I was like, what are we doing? Um, but, you know, we, we pulled it out. So uh, I just need to go back and watch the game as a whole. Um, but sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, you know, oh, we'll. We'll, uh, let's wrap up football. I feel like there's a lot more to talk about <laughs> on the basketball front. There's more games have been played and there's a lot, a uh, lot. So, you know, so we, we torched Minnesota. No one saw that coming. The Minnesota podcast, you know, didn't see it coming either. They actually ranked themselves last in the big 10, which I thought was a bit of a stretch, uh, for anyone who didn't see the, the big banner podcast, uh, power rankings. Um, but now we look on Northwestern, you know, a team that's, uh, that's, been hot lately you know they 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 smoked wisconsin this past weekend uh i'm gonna welcome dylan back after he's had some technical issues i will yeah. say one thing before we get too far into northwestern i will say 
and I've said this a couple times, I don't know if I was adamant enough about it going into Minnesota, but I did point out a few times post Illinois that Illinois was an example of if we protect card, that's how good our team could look. Cause our defense was there for the most part. Our defense has been, you know, at least average, if not above average in a lot of the games this year, it's our offense that hasn't picked up the slack. And, you know, I, I didn't expect it necessarily maybe to happen in Minnesota, but I wasn't really surprised because we've seen it was a small sample size in just Illinois, but we've seen what happens when we protect card and give him time. And I would say it wasn't necessarily just that he looked confident in the pocket. It just seemed like he had eyes in the back of his head. Like he, it was almost like NFL level. Like he knew exactly when to roll out. He knew exactly when to cut back in a certain direction. He knew exactly where the defender was and what he had to do to juke the guy to either scramble for a few yards or get reset and get the ball down the field. Well, we just had an interesting uh, comment here from, from Nick Burris. Uh, can or will we win out? And I think, uh, yeah, Russ, Russ to, to, uh, to tack on to what you said. Uh, I just feel like he made the right read a lot of the times. Uh, you know, earlier in the season, he was – I feel like he was missing a lot of wide-open guys. He was missing, you know, the – the easy check down for a first down on a wheel route or something like that and was, you know, trying to make the tough contested throws. Now he, he did throw up some 50, 50 balls that the receivers, you know, were on the, on the good end of this past game, but he also made the, the right read. Now I feel like he was more decisive. Like he was just tucking the ball and running. He wasn't thinking about it as much. I mean, he was just like, all right, I'm going to run now. Especially on the read really, options. A couple of the read options yeah. were beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, and there was, there was a couple of read options where I felt like had he handed it off, it would have been a successful play too. I uh, so, you know attribute that to the the mm-hmm. offensive line, and you know, it's been a carousel there. So, what are you all what are you all looking at? I'm not just, looking at anything. I'm just, I, I just thinking in the back of my head. Um, I want to pose this question to uh, the the live audience because I already know what you guys feel about this, and I'm tired of getting shit on for it. Um, I th- still think that we should have tried to get the first down there at the end of the yeah yeah the yeah let, yeah let's talk about it. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up i was i was gonna bring that up if we had extra time but since you brought it up yeah let's talk no, i got no, yelled no, at no. for this then the there's no guys. there's no right or wrong so what damon's referring to we had the ball on our own 10 with like a minute and 40 ish to go and we it ran two, the ball. it was actually just over two minutes it was like two just over two minutes okay just over two minutes so yeah. i think uh first play we ran the ball for like four or five yards successfully uh and then flecked it and call a timeout like, mm-hmm. so like the clock's just running, the clock's running, the clock's running, you know, run another run play, we get stopped at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think then Fleck called a timeout. Um, then we ran another run play, but uh, so yeah. ultimately, so, go ahead. Yeah, we, we ran the first two run plays. He didn't call a timeout. It was the third down when we Slanted failed Dion. is when he called the timeout with like yeah. 40 seconds left. Yeah, it was, it was the, the quick slant to Dion that uh, Dion Burks, I didn't get the first down. But yeah, the, the the question Damon's bringing up is is in in that in that situation, do you get aggressive and and try to move the ball, or do you do you play conservative, try to run some clock down, and give the ball to Minnesota back at the fifty with you know thirty ish? I think they're what forty seconds on the clock, you know, and force them to do to do something really difficult. What I just don't get is you guys all kept bringing up like, oh, well, what, what you want him to throw an interception? Do you guys think Card's that bad? He's just going to throw a pick right there on People third People have been down? critical of Card all year. Like, <laughs> like, I'm talking about you guys. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about you guys. 
saying, oh, what if he throws a – you want him to throw an interception and give him the ball right here on the 15? It's like, God, thank okay, you, so, Nick. So I want to back up God. I want to back up to a situation earlier in the game. I get shit on all the anytime I have a, an opinion different from everybody else, Dylan, Russ, and Chris come at me like I'm a like I'm a hyena and they're a bunch of lions ready to eat. I'm <laughs> sorry. I it's getting the situation this earlier in the game. Earlier in the half, right? When I think it was in the second quarter, when we went for it on fourth down and goal, right? From like the two or the one or whatever. Was that a bad call or a good call? I didn't. Sorry, we went fourth. Yeah, we, we, sorry, we, were, we went for it on fourth down in the south end zone. <laughs> we were up twenty-one thirteen, right? And we it was fourth uh-huh. and goal. We had just failed, right? It was when we got the first down at like the three-yard line, first and goal from like the three, and we failed on first, failed on second, failed on third, and then we went for it on fourth down. Well, did you agree with that decision? That's a great play because we Absolutely. made it right. So that that's. I would have agreed That's with what, it if we, no. I've been pushing for us to go for it on fourth down, fourth and shorts all year long. You guys can recall when we were at the Virginia Tech game, and it, we were on like our uh, we were on like the forty two or something, and it was like fourth and one. I was like, go for it, and you guys were all yelling at me uh, about how it's smarter to punt it or whatever. So yes, I and I would have been fine with that either way. Like I, I think that you're right there. Go so so for often it. as a head football coach, if you go put on that fourth down and you fail, everybody's critical and says it was the bad decision, it was a terrible decision, just because you failed. And when they make it, they're like, oh, it was a great decision because we made it, we scored, it was great. So I think what Frank and I's point especially was that just because, like we started with the ball over two minutes, and we took a minute and 20 off the clock before Minnesota even got the ball back with like less, just under 40 seconds left. And less than 5% of the time, do they actually score the touchdown in the manner that they did, especially with the way their offense was playing the rest of the first half? So just because just because like the less than 5% chance played out and they actually got the touchdown doesn't mean it was the wrong decision to not be aggressive in our own 10-yard line. If Jack Ansel could punt it past the 50, I would have been fine with that. But Yeah, that definitely compounded the issue. And so I'm yeah. just I think that yeah. I think that that's a tough call to make and I think that I trust Ryan Walters to understand his personnel enough to make the appropriate decision in that situation. But ultimately I'm in, I'm in Russ's camp and that like we put them in a very low percentage situation. That doesn't mean it's going to work out every time, uh, but we, let me, but we 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 were playing the numbers, you know, for sure. Let me go back to Brom too. last year, the Penn state game. You remember that game? Mm-hmm. We had I the ball twice. Going. We had the ball twice inside of five minutes twice with the lead inside of five minutes and we didn't take more than like 20 seconds off the clock both times we had the ball why because he tried he tried to stay aggressive through incomplete pass after incomplete pass after incomplete pass and then we had to punt it and then penn state had two opportunities where if he at least just ran the ball three times then you're at least taking what almost two minutes off the clock you know so that i think that's the same kind of strategy is like hey you know we're not going to just take a knee because then then they're just going to call timeouts right off the bat especially in the first half but we're going to keep the ball on the ground and keep the clock moving. If we pick up the first down, then maybe we get aggressive. Then we try to get something going. If not, then we we make the safe play because we don't want to make a mistake in our end zone. We don't want to take zero seconds off the clock or less than you know five, ten seconds off the clock. So I think for me, I uh I think those are just two different situations. I when it's a close game like that, you're in the fourth quarter and you're just trying to drain the clock. I would have been fine with the conservative, like just try to run it out and, you know, whatever. Um, but 
and and maybe that's just like it's just me i guess but just the competitive like you're up you know you can make it 35 13 going into half and then get the ball again i'm like pound it down their throat get that first down and make them cry about it so to me those are just two yeah different for sure scenarios. and my 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 thing wasn't so much an interception it was just an incompletion because an, an incomplete pass right there stops the clock now minnesota doesn't have to take a timeout right. now they get the ball back with you know a minute and 30 and, and an additional timeout that makes you know getting at least a field goal the chances of getting a field goal in that scenario that much higher because you're only 10 yards from field goal range from where, where they where we punted the ball to um so i just i i I think that it's a situation as a coach where if it works out, you like Russ said, if it works out, you look like a genius. If it doesn't work out, everyone's going to criticize you for it. So it's just ultimately what happens on the field, you know, dictates whether or not it was a good call. But I don't, I don't uh... trust me. I know about ultimate. <laughs> well, so let's uh, let's talk about <laughs> Northwestern for a second. Let's talk about Dylan's yeah, internet. What's going on? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dylan Place Peekaboo on Boulder Express. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new So for anyone who's listening and not watching, Dylan just keeps vanishing and reappearing. And yeah, I'm going to lay out for you why I think we are going to beat Northwestern. Frank's going to lay somebody out, y'all. Good night. Yeah, yeah. For me. I'm just, I'm just going to lay it all out there. When you look at their record, and this, this is some advanced statistical breakdown, so, so buckle up here. When you, when you look at their record, Loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. It just it, it goes, you know, every other every uh we alternate. You need me, they you beat they mo. beat Wisconsin twenty four to ten. They won. Next game has to be a loss. Just it has to continue. That's why we're gonna win. What's going on with Wisconsin? Is their quarterback's gone yeah, right? he's hurt, so, right? Yeah. They got like Okay, I was like, geez, man. So one scenario, too, on that, Frank, that I just want to throw out there at some point here, and I'll do it now, is um, every Big Ten West team other than Purdue could end up bowl eligible at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So then you're thinking, man, if we just held on against Fresno State, every Big Ten West team would be bowling for supposedly being the worst division or Iowa, or not turned it over five times against Syracuse, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all those things. Hey, they put some five and seven teams yeah, in bowling. Yeah, there is a chance. Yeah. Okay. But but I mean, how are we? How how are we feeling about you know how how are we feeling just as a whole about the team about you know coming off of this this past week you know so you know uh, what Northwestern has some impressive wins. I mean, beating Wisconsin twenty four to ten, which Wisconsin just had a late touchdown to bring it to ten. It was twenty four to three. Um, you know they they only lost to Iowa by three. Uh, they they. Beat Maryland 33 27. Uh, you know, they, they hung in there against Penn State, who kind of took off at the end. You know, they they played Minnesota closer than we did, but they they've just been a team that's just oscillated upward and downward all season. And honestly, I mean, it kudos to them for persevering through everything that happened in the offseason, losing their coach and whatnot. Um, you know, I just feel like this is the game, especially given what happened with Purdue against Minnesota, that this is a game where I just really have no idea what's gonna happen at all. And the Big Ten West is a slugfest. I mean, it's just it's any team could win any any night. I feel like, so I genuinely don't know what to expect. I, I want to preface the talk with one more thing as well before we get into it. Did you, did you guys see what the line was for the game? Last I saw, oh, Purdue like by 43. one minus three. Right. Now Purdue's up to minus three. Okay. Oh, you're talking about that. Yeah. Never mind. And over under is forty six and a half. So. So ultimately, you know, Russ, I think this game comes down to which which Northwestern team shows up. 
I mean, just, just looking at PFF grades, you know, their offense, you know, week one, they're 48, you know, week, week, uh, let's say week six, they're, uh, 78, you know, last week against Wisconsin, they're 88. So, you know, against Nebraska 42. So which, which team shows up, you know, ultimately is the answer. And, and when, and it's, it's the same for Purdue, but I, I really think this game is as good as, as a, a coin to a coin flip. Like it's just who shows up, you know, that ultimately that that's the big question. Ben Bryant's been up and down. Um, you know, it, it's just, there's, there's a, there's a whole lot of question marks here. Purdue's really banged up. I don't know Northwestern's injury status, um, but uh, I just I genuinely don't know what to expect. Anyone anyone have any anything to add to that? Yeah, I have no idea how the game is going to go. I've just been sitting here. Th- isn't Ben Bryant like a hundred years? Like, how old is Ben Bryant? Because wasn't he like? Didn't he play for Clemson and then he transferred to Northwestern? Is that another quarterback I'm thinking of? That was Hunter something, wasn't it? He played at Nor. He would play. He was like a five star. Went to Clemson and then he transferred out. And we we were like in the running for him. And then he ended up going to Northwestern. Uh, Anybody remember who I'm talking about? Hunter or something? I think. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't that doesn't ring a bell to me. Not saying it's not it's not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Well, Cody Abrams said that Coach Walters definitely br- definitely brought out the. Uh, oh, I'm not going to read the rest of that. Con- uh, brought brought out the brass balls. Went no breaks and all gas. That's what I wanted to see this year. You know, that's and that's what I like too. I don't care if we lose by fifty if we're just aggressive and we just play hard. And that was awesome. Yeah, was. And then he retweeted it too, and he's like, "I don't see a problem." So, uh, with this. <laughs> so Damon, to answer your question, Ben Bryant came in from Cincinnati. So he spent three years in Cincinnati. Okay, went you. to Eastern Michigan. Went back to Cincinnati. And now he's at Northwestern. So you, you, you don't see that. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't see that too often. You don't see a guy transfer away from a school and then transfer back. Yeah. Um, Have you guys seen the meme going around about? Sorry, not to. You just brought up Cincinnati, and this made me think of it. Have you guys seen the meme about the the Kelsey brothers? Uh, it's a picture of them when they both played for UC, and they're like looking goofy as hell. And it's like this guy is being voted for a sexiest man alive, and this guy's dating Taylor Swift. You still have hope. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't say the beard part when I was fist bumping. Okay, all right. <laughs> Be a man, girl. Well, I think right. uh, I think given that there's uh, there's quite a bit to talk about, unless there's anything else to say on the football front, should we go ahead and? segue into the basketball thing i do want to say and i know it's it was a uh repeated thing on twitter if you were on purdue twitter at all you saw people commenting on it but really proud of the fan base that it was at like 95 percent um capacity like it it really made me think about walters talking about the comparison between being at illinois and being at purdue you know you go back to last year when we played at illinois when they're a ranked team on senior day with a chance to win the Big Ten yeah. West, and it's at like 30% capacity, and it's a smaller stadium than Ross 8. To go to this year, and we're 2-7 and seven going into play Minnesota, and we're at 95% capacity? Like, that's that's crazy. Yeah, shout-out, fans. I mean, it, I feel like in years past we wouldn't have seen that. And uh, I, I got to say, our, our affiliate, Big Banter, I felt like they were skeptical. You know, they, they, they put that – that, that uh, tweet out, you know, they tagged me in it and said, you know, that, that I said that, you know, it was going to be a pretty, pretty high capacity game. Uh, let's see what happens. 
They don't know stats yeah. like I mean, I, stats. I just, I just, I, I, I just saw something Literally. on Twitter that said there were less than two thousand tickets remaining. So, uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the fans showed up and and they sounded loud on TV, especially during that Maccabee mm-hmm. run. Like it mm-hmm. sounded like the whole place was on fire. So. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I mean, and and you know, Russ, you recently went to a college football game that was not Purdue, you know, and it was a, a ranked team at home. And what was what, what was the capacity? Yeah, everybody should boo oh. Russ for the game he went to. <laughs> oh, he went to U of L game. If, if, y'all, if y'all missed it, everybody always asks me, especially on these these crossover pods. They always ask me how I feel about Brom, and I say I'm the worst person to ask because I married a Louisville grad. I have a brother-in-law who played for Louisville, and I usually go to a game or two every year. So, yeah, but, I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the Louisville Kentucky game, Russ. Yeah. So, so yeah, to, I'll be there. To boo. Frank's point, to Frank's point, even though they're ranked, and I think are they top ten now in the CFP? I didn't even see the latest. Uh, they're ninth. They're ninth. Yeah, today, so they're yeah. top ten in the CFP now. You know, playing at home in a you know homecoming season for Jeff Brom, that stadium was maybe sixty percent capacity. And it seats less than Ross Aid, actually. The yeah. the um, LN Stadium, where the and we're in we're in a city. Russ and I live in a city or a metro area of one point three million people. Yeah, at lower and capacity we're talking than the thirty thousand people at yeah. a game. Let's talk. Let's talk basketball for for a minute. No, no, just like there's, there's, there's a lot to talk about on the basketball front. There's a whole lot to talk about, but I'm gonna. Do you guys remember Don Vito oh, from sure, Bam Margera? Yeah. Don watch Vito is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, yeah. now I can move on. I really wanted to say that's that that's gonna be a clip video right there. There's a lot to talk about in basketball. Hey, you guys remember? <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah. Nick, Nick, oh, Nick. The other day, I I had a uh, something pop up on my phone. It was a video of you uh, shotgunning that warm Coors Light. I don't know if you recall that or not. I have a video of that. If you if you don't recall that, I'll send that. Calling to you. him out like that. Um, that was that was before the Purdue Michigan game, the one where it was super hot. That was the Harbaugh air conditioner locker room game. Yeah, it was that game. Yeah, debacle. Air yeah. conditioner gate, Nick AC Burris gate. Says, oh boy, do I ever! Yeah, yet. yeah, that was that was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, you guys realize we didn't even do a basketball. No, no, preview. we didn't. Did we've we? All, and I we've just all been busy. But let's let, let's take Cody's question here. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. With the mojo of the basketball team, they have can they carry it to the Maui Invitational? So let's Absolutely. let's preview the Maui Invitational. Does anyone know what the matchups actually look like? Um. Yeah, I know, I know we play Gonzaga, but what are what are what are the other ones? Who's got Chaminade? Like that's that's the Kansas, question. Kansas, of course. Kansas always has Chaminade when they're in Maui. Yeah, so they're kind of spotted a win, aren't they? Yep. Um, so it's a can't wait for Hunter Dickinson to drop fifteen on them and be like, from the. Yeah, so I mean, I think ultimately we're going to learn a lot about our team in this in this little tournament here. So, uh, so Purdue Purdue plays Gonzaga. Um, and then after that, uh, we would play the, if we win, assuming we will win, which Gonzaga hasn't really been tested nor played very many games. They've only played. Yeah. Yale. They're playing yeah. like a division, division, uh, two school tonight. Um, so assuming we beat Gonzaga, which isn't too much of a stretch, we would play the winner of Tennessee and Syracuse. Cause they, they're down like they're one of their best players, right? The transfer. Uh, the, Nim- Nimhart? I thought I heard it. They- 
I thought it was some guy, some transfer from like Eastern Washington or something that was like supposedly really oh, good. I didn't know that. Him. I haven't, I haven't like looked into them too much. Uh, Timmy's gone. Yeah, Timmy's gone. gone. They they lost. So Gonzaga lost Drew Timmy. They lost Julian Strother, who is actually looking to be a pretty good NBA player. I saw him play last weekend in Denver, and he looked really good. Like he came in off the bench and hit several threes. I never thought. Julian Strother would have an NBA career, but he's looks the part so far. I saw Colin Gillespie play too. It's pretty, pretty wild. Frank, I don't even know why you and your wife have like a, an actual home. I feel like you guys need to just get a, uh, an RV because you're not, you're never at home. And you can't take um, an RV to Europe, you know? So yeah, European yeah, 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 yeah. Russ makes a good point there. Yeah. Uh, so here we here here we have a question. Would you rather play in the second round, Tennessee or Syracuse? Cody, personally, I would rather play Tennessee, and here's why. Tennessee, they have that on-the-line, up-the-line defense, uh, so they really like to blow up ball screens. They really like – sorry, my voice is cracking from Mackie yesterday. They really like to try to blow up ball screens. They really try to pressure you and get up into you, uh, and I would love to see how our – Young, inexperienced, unathletic guards handle the pressure uh, to just, just fuel that narrative. And and if if they crumble, then then we learn something from it, and we know how to grow. And if and if they don't crumble, and we we persevere, then, you know even better. Uh, but I, I would love that that test. And Cody, it sounds like you agree as well. They'd rather play Tennessee, but yeah, I think I would love to see that matchup between between Purdue and Tennessee. It's kind of like, I mean, so I think Tennessee's the best defense. So it'd be the number one offense and Ken Palm against number one defense too, which would be a lot of fun. Uh, so it was Steel Venters. He was the commit from Eastern Washington that Gonzaga got. Uh, he averaged like 15.3 points per game last year, shot 37% from three, um, four rebounds a game, shooting 43.4% from behind the arc in 22, 21-22. Um, so I, I think he's out though. He's injured or just uh, I think he hurt his knee or something like that. So that was that's good for Purdue. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, Cody, you make a good point that uh, it would be like a preview of you know Indiana and Michigan State, and you know Indiana did that. That was kind of what they did defensively to to really get into Purdue was apply a lot of pressure and just kind of foul constantly. Um. So, so go ahead, sorry. David. Uh, so we're we're three games in. We've played Samford, Moorhead State, and we played Xavier um, last night. What are things that you guys have seen so far that are better than expected, right where they're at, or maybe not as good as expected, or like you wish you would have you wish that would have improved more in the off season, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, um, so to. Like I, I feel like I'm gonna like I'm gonna sound like Matt Painter here because like it's like he be like you can he can have a 50 point win and sit down in the press conference and just be like yeah we didn't rebound very well like we didn't box out like he's just um, but what is better than expected I'm gonna say the newcomers um, Lance, I really yeah, sure. felt like this was gonna be a team where we were just gonna have to rely on Morton Gillis and you know guys like Heidi guys like Lance Jones and and. Uh, Miles Colvin would get much more limited minutes and more of a limited role. Um, and I just didn't expect them to contribute to the level that they have. I mean, we like Miles Colvin was huge last night and the last night in the game against Xavier Lance that Jones was, was huge. He played huge, huge minutes too, game. like down to the wire minutes. Yeah. Did. So I think that is, uh, that's, you know, unexpected. That's, that's kind of been, been better than expected. Um, 
so what what is hasn't been as good um rebounding honestly like I, I think that the rebounding hasn't been i mean that, not that we haven't rebounded well but we haven't rebounded up to what we're used to seeing um i think last season or the for the last like five seasons i even went back purdue had had an offensive rebounding percentage around 40 and we're about half that this season um but outside of that i mean not not much else i mean i i like the fact that we seem very balanced um, and I guess one of the other things that hasn't necessarily lived up to expectations has been uh, just individually Trey Kaufman Wren yet, but I don't think that's an issue with him so much as it is being on the floor with Edie. Um, I mean, Edie's just going to clog up the paint and he mostly plays in the paint. Um, Dylan Russ, what do you guys think? Yeah. So uh, a question that I might want to ask, but I don't know if it's kind of out of bounds to ask about, you know, misuse or use of a pass player. But I wonder if, to go back to last year, if Painter maybe regrets the use of David Jenkins Jr. a little bit, because I wonder what he could have looked like had he been the starting two and Fletch been the starting three last year. You know, and we started either Gillis or, you know, TKR at the four and then Edie at the five. So I wonder if that's maybe a, a transition or a, a change he made this year, if Lance Jones is just that much better than David Jenkins Jr., which this far, thus far it looks like he might actually be that much better. So being in Mackey last night and sitting just behind Purdue's bench, I will say, and Painter said this too, he is not a fan of the deep threes. Like there, he he was uh, reprimanding Lance Jones verbally for the deep threes. Um, it was pretty funny to hear. Um, this game is not for the weak. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that soundclip. But it it. Uh, you know, I think I I think that you know, when Lance Jones in transition can stop and hit a thirty footer, like that is demoralizing for another team. I mean, and he stops on a dime. So if if there if for those of you who haven't been to Mackey yet, go to Mackey, see Cam Heidi play, see Lance Jones play. They are unreal to see uh, in person. Like the the athleticism they bring to see it in person is is just so much crazier than to watch it on TV. Like the like Lance Jones is probably the fastest player on the floor last night. Maybe Davion McKnight and give him a run for his money. Um, but yeah, I, I just he's he's been really good and on, on both ends of the floor. Defensively, he's great. Um, you know, he does have some kind of untimely turnovers, but you know, only one foul last night. And given how hard he was, you know, he was defending some of those guys. He was really getting his chest into him, picking him up at half court. I mean, I, I'm I'm I am a Lance Jones fan. He he has won me over. Got a couple comments here. To be honest, it felt like we got more speed and tougher in the paint than we were last year for sure. Uh, definitely faster. Um, I think we have more weapons in the paint too. First, you know, his is his improving in that area, and you know, Trave Cop and Ren. He's just gotten limited touches, but I'm still really high on you know what he can do. Um, I have a comment here from Nick. The most frustrating thing I saw or observed was Caleb first. He looks out of place, and it's clear he doesn't have a true role. Yeah, I mean that's the total opposite of what I was just saying. <laughs> um, no, I think um, I think Caleb First is struggling to figure out where he fits in. I think Painter is struggling to figure out where Caleb First fits in. And in, in the press conference last night, he said that he is looking to just do what he can to contribute, whether that's come in and play five minutes or come in and play 30 minutes. But I felt like two things happened last night for Purdue that were really beneficial just for them as a whole. The defense sagged off of Caleb First. I don't know if any of you all watched that clip that I sent you last night, but like their beautiful. center – that their was center was just like, nah, go ahead and shoot it. And Caleb first said, all right, I'll shoot it. 
And then the same thing happened to Ethan Morton and both shots went down. And, um, you know, Painter, Painter talked about on the, uh, the field of 68, how, how tough it is, you know, mentally for a shooter, someone who's capable of shooting to see someone sag off of them, to see guys and bite you to shoot. And that just kills your confidence. So just to have those guys, you know, hit some early threes, like Ethan Morton's two for two on the season to, to see him, you know, to see him go two for two to see first, you know, nail one last night when the defense sagged off of him, I think it's just going to help both those guys confidence going forward. But I think first really made some big plays defensively last night, Nick, to, to go back to your point. Uh, he had a couple blocks that were really impressive, I thought. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he, he's struggling to figure out how to be a role player, I think, but he's embracing the mentality of, you know, doing whatever he needs to do. Yeah. One thing I like seeing, um, and I know I've seen a couple of comments, different places talking about, you know, wanting to change up and maybe put, you know, coffin run on the bench to help our bench scoring, which our bench scoring isn't necessarily outscoring the other team. They actually got outscored by the Xavier bench last night, but they're actually much more efficient than our starting offense. So as a team, I think we're shooting about 53% from the field. Our our bench role players, like I know we've put a lot of guys in in garbage time, so I'm taking out like the Bergs and even the Waddles or Waddells. Um, but Gillis, First, Morton, Heidi, and Colvin. The five kind of probably rotation players off the bench this year, it looks like. They're shooting 61% combined over three games. Well, our starting five is at 50%. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed with, you know, yeah, they might not be as prolific, but they're also, you know, you talk about guys in Edie, Braden, and Fletch all paying, you know, playing 30 minutes or more a game. They're not playing the minutes to put up the big stat numbers. You know, it's like the argument we had with Edie early in his career that, oh, well, he's only scoring 12 points a game. Okay, yeah, but he's scoring 12 points a game in like 14 minutes a game. You know, so I, I'm efficiency. actually – Yeah, I'm actually yeah. impressed with the efficiency of our, our bench role players. And I don't, I don't think it stood out as much because Samford and Moorhead State were such blowouts that they didn't play significant minutes either. They went to – you know, the Bergs and the Waddells and Martins and, and getting the deeper in the bench. So I think that I think that's what we'll see too in Maui's. I think we'll see not just that Edie still is the front runner for National Player of the Year and that Braden and Fletch have made that step, but I think we'll see that our bench and our second unit is much better than what most teams put out as their starting five, in my opinion. So Russ, I would like to ask you a question. Uh assess Braden's performance so far this season would you say it's good bad and what surprised you and where could he improve in your opinion Braden's I you know I I'm happy with it I'm not you know he's definitely not at his peak um but I think he has shown that he's definitely taken strides and that he's taken a lot of things personally he's playing with a chip on his shoulder this year and I think by the time he gets to the big 10 schedule people better really watch out that I think he could end up getting like a 12, 14 or more point score a game plus throwing in six, seven, eight assists. Because if you notice, obviously a lot of people notice Fletch hasn't necessarily been doing the scoring that we might thought he would do in his, his sophomore year. But I think Braden and especially with Lance Jones playing as his two and having Fletch on the floor at the same time, I think Braden is going to eat a lot. And I think he's seeing the floor better. He's not getting in positions like he was last year where he's, caught in the air and has to throw it somewhere. And now he's turning the ball over. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, two plays stick out for me last night. 
um, when I think about Braden's performance. One was was at halftime, uh, right right going into the half where they they set the double screen for him and he just whips it out to Colvin in the corner. Uh, they asked Colvin in the press conference if he expected that pass and he said no, he didn't. Then there was the one also where he he you know drove the ball right into a double team, and I, I went back and watched it several times. It wasn't exactly a no look pass, but it was pretty darn close. The he the ball is already moving as he's passing it out to Ethan Morton for a wide open three. Uh, I mean, it, it like his hand was already moving as as his head turns. It was almost simultaneous. But I feel like those are two plays that would have been extreme outliers last season. And now they're on the fringe of what I expect his normal performance to be. Yeah, it's it's um, like last year you could see that he was high IQ because he did homework and he thought, hey, in this situation, the defense is going to do this, so this is going to be there. And then he just performed the play like that was going to happen. And that's what led to some turnovers because guess what? Other teams watch film too, and they see what Braden's tendencies are, and they know where he wants to go with the ball. This year, it's like he's got a better feel for the floor. You know, almost like what we've seen card transition from earlier in the season to being uncomfortable to against Minnesota. He just like he felt everything so perfectly. I think that's what we're seeing Braden transition to that he's not he's not just expecting something to be there, but he's just sensing where everybody's at on the floor and what's happening based on how they're defending him. Yeah, it's very uh very Luka Doncic like for any any NBA fans out there. I did see Luka make a behind the back no look pass last week in Dallas. It was crazy. Uh, it's crazy to see in person. Uh, not to get not to get off topic here, but you know I like the fact that Braden's looking to score more. I mean, especially last night against Xavier. I mean, he was coming off the screens and taking pull up jumpers at the elbow, and they felt like they, they were, were giving all going it to him. In. They were all going in, and and I feel yeah. like Braden has has really embraced the I'm going to shoot if the defense isn't going to respect me. And so yeah. I listened to Painter today on the Field of 68 podcast, and Painter said that all summer he was telling Braden, he's like, hey. Like you got to, you, you got to look to score. If they're going to go under, if they're going to play drop coverage on you, you got to shoot it. And like the point wasn't landing with Braden because last season he was kind of a, you know, playmaker distributor role. And so he said he called Braden's dad and was like, Hey, like Braden's got to score more. And that's what he ultimately did. <laughs> nice. But it, it, he painter wants to establish Braden as that scoring threat quickly, you know, to make teams respect that. Cause that's one more thing you have to take away. And that makes Purdue that much harder to guard. And that opens up, you know, more opportunities for eating, more opportunities for, for, for Lance Jones and transition when guys have to switch now on just a quick ball screen and transition. And I mean, I, I guess Xavier didn't get the message because they were just dropping. And he was taking it. Yeah. Um, if you weren't box score watching last night, it felt like Braden had 20 points. Yeah. It felt like he, it felt like he hit a dozen of those shots off the pick and roll. And you're like, why are, why are they not stopping this? You now, know, conversely, it. conversely, it felt like Edie would have had 10 points. It felt like an off game for Edie, and then the game ended really at twenty eight, um, which I sat next to a Xavier fan who is who was covered head to toe in Purdue gear, which really confused me. Um, but he he was a Xavier fan, and all he did the entire game was let me know how overrated Zach Edie was and how how bad Zach Edie was every time he missed a shot. And... No, he said he 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 said that if 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 he wasn't tall, he wouldn't be a good player, and that you know just that that narrative. There's a couple couple viewer comments here. I feel like Smith's awareness levels have gone up since last year. I do too. Yeah, I definitely feel like he's seeing the floor a lot better, and and is just really 
really looking to push and, you know, not only create for himself, but create for others. And his assist numbers, I mean, he's almost almost at a 50% assist percentage, 48.9 on the season, which is over double what he was last season, which is Did crazy. you guys see that he's averaging almost a triple-double per game? He's at 11.7 points per game, six rebounds per game, and 8.3 uh, assists per game. Yeah, and we've got a, got a comment here. I feel like Smith kind of went into Jordan mindset and he wants his teammates more hungry than last year. Yeah, and I, I – I can't help but notice like kind of a mindset shift in the players. It's almost like they've under, they understand now that they have to bring it every night. Like, it's I mean, al- it's almost like they were the number one team in the country last year that lost to a 16 yeah, seed yeah. and they know they're going to get smacked with that all year. And they're going to be like, all right, cool. We're going to smack you right back. Let's go. Well, I mean, we're, we're all, we're all Purdue fans here. We get in arguments on what? social media with people. What's the first thing someone brings up when you try to talk about basketball? FDU, FDU. So you know, you know it stings way more to them than it does to us too. But yeah, I and one thing I I've know, noticed a lot. It does hurt. Yeah, <laughs> masking pain right now. But one thing, one thing I've noticed, and I want to get your all's take on this. And I had a non-Purdue fan bring this up to me today, and I and it was the only other person that had noticed this besides me. But it feels like Edie is almost playing with a little bit more relaxation. He's not playing as as intensely. As, as he has in previous years, it's almost like he's purposely just dialing it back just a little bit. Instead of Give giving that 105%, yeah. he's yeah. given he's- 85 to 90. And I don't, I, I, I think it's an intentional thing. I think it's him trying to pace himself. But I, I had someone bring that to me today to like, or, or tell me that today. It's like, it doesn't seem like Edie is playing as hard as he normally does. Like he's, he's playing a little bit more laxed. And I would say that I, for the first two games, so we also played Moorhead State and uh Samford so uh, he didn't really have to you know Xavier he turned it on because he kind of had to scored 28 points 11 rebounds yeah so 10 for 11 at the line that's even even more impressive honestly um yeah just it just feels like he was always the guy that and I feel like maybe earlier in his career maybe maybe he had to give 110 percent every you know to to get get playing time and I, I don't think it's a scenario where he's it's like okay I've got my NIL money I've got my national player of the year I've you know, I've, I've made my mark. I don't need to play hard. I think it's just him understanding that it's a long season and he wants mm-hmm. to be, you know, he, he wants to be fresh, you know, for every game. I feel like he went in a similar arc last year as well, though. Like, because if you remember um, in the PK Invitational, you know, he's laughing with Drew Timmy and stuff, right, during the game. And he's, he's semi-relaxed and like, but then the National Player of the Year stuff started coming up. He started getting a target on his back. People started talking about, you know, oh, they don't give them they, they call them differently. They give them all these fouls. And people started getting very physical with him. Like, especially once you got in the middle of the year, towards the end of the year, that's when you started seeing him having cuts and bruises and stuff all over his arms. And it started getting him really, really fired up. And I, I think that's what we'll see. Once we get to conference play, you know, especially we get into some of these games like when we play in Toronto against Alabama, if that gets physical, that's I think gonna you'll, be see crazy. Him, you'll see him crank it up for sure. That'll be uh, such a home game for Zach Eady. It's not even going to be funny. I definitely feel like last night against Xavier, which uh, one of our viewers said he was there, maybe can can tell me I'm wrong or right on this. But man, it just felt like he was getting fouled. Like he was getting fouled before he before he caught the ball. He's getting fouled after he caught the ball. He was getting fouled on every shot. Like it happens just, every single play. Like he's always getting drugged down to the ground by one yeah. arm. I mean, it I mean, happens the first two games of the season too. It's terrible, and it's yeah. just that's why he's doing that tip out so much. I feel like is because he's that's all he's got is that one arm, 
because he's getting drugged down by the other one. Yeah, and so uh, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, here we go. We have we have an agreement here. He was getting hammered. They were hanging on him exactly. And I think it was. Uh, I'm not a fan of this guy, but I think it was Jeff Goodman on the Field of 68 podcast. No, no, Jeff Goodman, who said that was his, his first time seeing Zach Eady play at Mackey, and he said that he was just getting fouled every single time he came down the court. And he said that it was, you know, it was just absurd how they didn't call some of the fouls. And, you know, the, but, you know, people who dislike him, which seems to be everybody, every, like Zach Eady has become public enemy number one, it seems. But it seems that everyone who doesn't like Zach Eady thinks the opposite, that he commits a lot of fouls and camps in the paint and should get a, you know, three seconds on every play. So the guy how next to me. Out there, a center saying, being the paint. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so the guy next to me kept saying, it's like, three seconds, three seconds. He just kept yelling it over and over again. Uh, and he was sure to let me know that. He was sure to let me know that Purdue was going to repeat what they did in the tournament last year because they don't know how to play defense. We'll at least make Um, it to the round of 32 this year, I think. So, Yeah, I was like, okay, nice talking to you too. I think he was just really mad because Xavier lost. So he's trying to make himself feel better. I will say I went to to an Iowa, uh, Purdue-Iowa game last year, I think it was, or the year before. I think it was last year. And there was the, the one Iowa fan that I felt like was in the entire arena sat right next to me, an older guy. And he was so cool. He was like, is it like this every game? This is incredible. And uh, he was like just soaking it all in. And he even had to like, he hit, he brought earplugs with him and he like put them in like partway through the game because he was like, I can't handle this. Yeah. They have for like the last 15 years, Jeff. Where, where you been? Yeah, like I said, I don't like Jeff Goodman, but uh, I do agree that uh, Edie was fouled a lot last night, and I was fortunate enough to be close enough because I uh, would take a prices. I could only, you know, justify going to one game this season, so I made sure to get good seats and that I could, I could hear the kind of the encore communication and stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, just the the amount of like, like slapping and stuff that was going on when Edie was under them I mean, in the pain, it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't complain. You know, as Painter said, stop complaining to the refs. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. That was, was awesome. That was awesome, yeah. And Braden was like, yeah, my bad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's right. I mean, love Jaden Ivey, but how many times did we see him just stand there and argue with the ref instead of getting back? I'll never forget that clip against Rutgers. I will never forget that. Yeah. Love that's, Jaden That's why uh, so many Pacers fans hate LeBronda. Because that's what, you know, LeBron's either making a shot or he's complaining about a foul or both. I think it's hilarious that Jaden Ivey's being sat in the NBA because he's not playing defense when NBA teams are scoring 130 to 150 points a game right now. It's like, who is? Who's playing defense? I don't think anybody is. Well, like uh, Frank pointed out, that it's because some of the guys are generationally different on offense, and Jaden's not exactly to that point yet, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that, uh, you know, um, like, People do play defense in the NBA, but you know, the like the games are longer, the possessions are shorter. You only get twenty four seconds, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, ultimately, I think Monty Williams, Jaden Ivey's coach, makes a really good point in that everyone's an elite scorer at this level. You know, like you, you are, uh, you don't get to the NBA unless you were like the best scorer on your college team, typically, you know, or you know, top two, let's say, and so that's where you, that's where you set yourself apart is everything else that you do. Right, because everyone can score. So how well can you rebound? How well do you set screens? How well do you read a scouting report? How well do you defend? Ultimately, was the the main thing that he pointed out, and why it's not starting Jaden Ivey. Uh, but I, I think he makes a fair point. But it's a very um, it's a very antiquated way of looking at at the NBA because there are 
there are some players like James Harden, for example, who everyone knows he doesn't play defense. But Dude, that clip he, of that broadcast you're going in on the other night was awesome. It was amazing. Um, it was truly was, amazing. It was. Good. He went on for like two minutes. For anyone, for anyone who watches the NBA and hasn't seen the announcer talking about James Harden, yeah, it was. And the uh, other broadcasters were just sitting there with their mics, like <laughs> just yeah. very uncomfortable the whole time. They didn't know what to do. But he was, um, he was like, he was like, James, you're the, uh, you're the, you're the dirty roommate. You're the like when, it, when everyone everyone has a it's like man every roommate I have is bad it's like that's you you're the you're the bad roommate man I mean it was mm-hmm. you now let's uh let's address some comments here Dylan uh yeah we have one here hey. where is Dylan where is Dylan uh, and then uh, one here can we address how laughable IU bro let's address army. Ryan Curry who cooked against IU for army that kid was on yeah. fire so yeah like I'm not I'm not one to publicly bash IU per se uh, but but say. they uh, they should be worried uh, yes they're two and0 but man they uh, they don't look they don't look great but to their credit, I will say they did look like that at the beginning of last year, and then they turned mm-hmm. it around in you know January. Kind of had a slow, and slow ramp we up. kind of, uh, and you know we were on the opposite end. We started hot last year. We're starting hot this year, and then you know come January, February. Well, I will say this time, you're you're talking positive about IU and negative about Purdue. What's happening? No, I'm just stating a fact. That's just how that's what happened last year. <laughs> but I think like when we look at McKenzie. <laughs> Mbako, right? Like he's he's the savior of IU, and I swear it's like summertime is the best time to be an IU fan. Because did you say Romeo Langford, or did you say yeah, oh, right? Sorry. Yeah, oh, my, Romeo Langford was the previous savior of IU, yeah. but you know it's the best time to be an IU fan is the summertime because you, you get a new recruit and everybody can freak out about how great he's going to make the team. But offensive rating of fifty nine point six, he's zero for two from three, three from six from two. So what like. Uh, three for eight from the floor hasn't gotten to the free throw line. Uh, I mean, it just for a guy who's looking like the say he definitely doesn't look like a savior so far. For and sure. I know that you're not talking, you're not talking smack about IU at all. You're just stating numbers. No, here, I'm but just stating numbers. I will this year. I, I I promise you all this year, and I know uh, I got this is something else I got made up for fun up for in the group chat. I'm not going to talk crap about any team at all this year, any team whatsoever because. I've just been getting shit on a lot this week, okay? And it hurts. No, so, and, and Damon, Damon, I respect that. I really do. Um, so Illinois, I, Illinois lost tonight to Marquette. I was checking to see, did did Michigan, Michigan State did that's not That's a win. decent loss, though. Marquette's pretty yeah, solid. Oh, Marquette, yeah, Marquette's ranked Maybe. number four, yeah. Okay. But, um, you know, Maryland's first loss, I'll be honest, I giggled. You know, they lost to Davidson. Their second loss, I felt bad. Hey, I just want the Turtleheads to see this. Um, look at this. Look at this. Uh, the sticker I have on my. So I'm, I, you know, uh, that's right. I'm in unity with Turtleheads. Can't wait to we see a comment a, at 2 a.m. about that. Got a couple comments here. Granted, I know it's early. I, uh, I feel too that the field we could face in the tournament is deep and talented compared to the last two years. Agreed. I think we're gonna learn a lot of we're, we're gonna learn a lot about this team in the. Uh, the Maui Invitational for sure. Um, um, let's clear the elephant in the room. IU is trying their hardest to be like us, and they will never be us. Yeah, I mean, they say, you know, IU fans say the same thing about Purdue, right? But well, one thing I do want to say about IU, 
I finally see why they like Xavier Johnson so much. Like I have truly wondered his entire career, what is it about this guy that they love so much? And I saw it against Army. Like he just kind of took over that game, commanded commanded the floor, you know, didn't put up a ton of points, but did everything else you need, you know, to win. Was was distributing the ball, uh, and just really took over as a leader. And I finally see, you know, why what what he added. You're saying that Xavier Johnson single handedly took down the U.S. Army. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, it was a bad joke. Um, but yeah, Michigan. I mean, so so we, for those of you who don't don't listen to the Big Ten Huddle, hey, you should. Uh, Russ and I were on there, and we we previewed the Big Ten basketball. But we basically talked about the Big Ten being, you know, Indiana, Purdue, Maryland, and right now it looks like uh, in Michigan State as well, uh, kind of being the like Michigan State, Maryland, Purdue being the top three, Indiana possibly possibly being number four. But right now, I mean, Michigan State and Maryland, I mean, Duke isn't a bad loss, but who did they lose to? James Madison, which I did have a, uh, a Michigan State fan today tell me that uh, that's not a bad loss because they're they're now ranked. So, uh, <laughs> like, wait, what? That's a bad, that's not a bad loss because the Dukes aren't ranked. No, no. Yeah, no. So it's a uh, uh, so a Michigan State fan today on Twitter said. It's not an embarrassing loss because James Madison is now ranked. I'm like, they're ranked. Oh, is now because, ranked. Yeah, they're like, they're ranked because they beat Michigan State. <laughs> like, had they not beat Michigan State, they're not ranked. It doesn't work that way. What, what would we be saying if we if that was a Purdue loss, though, and they were ranked? Would we be saying, see, like, I think that's what we all said with, Fre- like, not to bring it back to football, but that's what we all said with Fresno State. We all said, oh, see, they're a good team. They got ranked. And yeah, we got beat by right. them. And everybody was talking about how you're bad right. Fresno State is, so. No, no, you make you make you make good points, Damon. You do. Nick Burris comment here: Purdue versus Arizona at Gamebridge is going be to be bonkers. I'm going to that one. I've had my tickets for a while now. Um, I got them over the summer. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for that game. That's going to be a great game. Pro- like all likelihood, a top five matchup. Yeah, that's going to be it's going to be nuts. Can't wait. And just stylistically, Arizona is the one of the fastest. They are the fastest team in the country officially as of today. Um, that may change between wow. now and then. You know, Purdue's Purdue's kind of middle of the pack. They're faster than they were last year, but not not fast per se. But yeah, yeah it's going to be a good game. Um, and so, uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Russ. Well, I was just going to ask two questions. I was going to try to get back to the Maui Invitational a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, we we talked about would we rather play Tennessee or Syracuse in the second game. So I want to ask. Who would you rather play in the bottom part of the bracket? I assume it's Kansas, but um, yeah, it is. Yeah, Market Square Arena till the day I die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he built it. <laughs> I remember the RCA dome. Dang it! Um, yeah, I didn't so do uh, I remember that. You know, Kansas, Chaminade, UCLA, and Marquette in the bottom of the bracket. Would you guys rather see? I guess to me, it's either Kansas or Marquette. Would you rather see Kansas and play the possibly the number one team or? Marquette. I'm worried about whatever mid majors in our bracket right now. So, That's so I'm, I, <laughs> I view, I view this. It's tournament. not March, Damon. Calm down. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, we're talking about. I thought we were talking about March. My bad. Uh. Really? Nick played in the RCA dome. Yeah. Well, was it like for a state? Was it like state football or something like a high school football state title? Nick, give us give us a little little background on that. It was that. that it was when they bring the fourth graders on at halftime of like a Colts game. They play like a few. No. <laughs> play a little flag football. <laughs> uh, fo- football football stats championship. I assume they mean state. Oh, Frank was there too. Yeah. 
There's the correction in the state. Uh, but Russ, to a- answer your question, I view this tournament as a uh, a way to learn about the team and a way to get better. And honestly, I don't care about winning, but I want to play against some good competition. Um, Kansas, my my concern about playing Kansas is that Kansas is not very deep. You know, they they don't have a ton of depth and they're they're not rotating a ton. So I feel like that game would probably end with, you know, foul trouble, uh, you know, for Kansas and and us probably eking out a win if I just 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 spitballing here. Um, But I'd like to play Marquette because of their pressure and their, you know, their almost constant full court press. I think that would that would pay dividends uh, throughout the season. Uh, So I and also just don't want to have to see Hunter Dickinson willingly again. And I think that'd be a really good game, too, because Marquette's probably going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder for not being able to pull it out against Purdue. You know, last year in Mackey, when they I thought they had the game won, and then those last five minutes, Purdue really um, come back. So I think they play with a little bit more, you know, Moxie, a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder. Um, One thing I am one thing I am excited for about the Maui Invitational is habitual boilers picture of him getting on another jet, um, you know, heading to Maui. That'll be. Yeah, that was, that was kind of weird. Yeah, sorry, HB, if you're watching, man, that was just so funny. Him posting that picture of him going to Canada. Russ, Russ, what about you? Who would you Who would you rather play in the bottom bracket, Russ? Um, I, I mean, I would I would want to see Kansas or Marquette. That's why I narrowed it down to yeah. those two. If I picked, I definitely want to see Kansas. I want to see I want to okay. see the highest ranked team. I want to see a one versus two matchup because, I mean, honestly, we could see two, maybe three one versus two matchups this year, Purdue involved in, you know, Purdue, Kansas, Purdue, Arizona, Purdue, Arizona, and and maybe there's an outside shot. Purdue, Alabama could get there. Ooh, that'd be yeah, a lot of things would have to change for Alabama so, to be yeah. a top five team. But I mean, they, yeah, but especially in a short period of time. Yeah. Cause of the whole f- uh, fire in Maui. Yeah. So if you wanted to go to Maui Invitational, this is the year to go. Cause it's usually incredibly hard to get a ticket but now it's like three or four times the size of the normal venue. So, Guys, Cody has a great idea here. We have a comment from Cody. BXP needs their own private plane for sure. Given that we're at an hour and 10, we should we should probably probably look into wrapping up. One thing, uh, Damon, forgot. Uh, I totally forgot we didn't do uh, – we, did, we didn't talk about our sponsors, affiliates, or anything like that. I was so trying we to, but you just kept talking, so – Oh, did I? I'm sorry, man. Just, <laughs> just, just yell at me next time, man. Um, but uh, yeah, let's do that real quick. Uh, big shout outs to our uh, partnership over at uh, Big Banner Sports. Uh, they've got 13 really good podcasts. You guys know the one, um, the outlier there. Uh, they've uh, they've got blogs, um, accounts for every team. They're going to have accounts for all the new teams come next year as well. Uh, you know, with the additions to the Big Ten. So um, it's a great place to get all of your Big Ten information. You know, you can see weekly power rankings uh everybody has a podcast that they post uh, you know on their team as well we do a lot of crossovers so um you know uh here or there uh, i guess it's up for for personal opinion you know we'll just leave it at that um but uh we've also got our sponsors over at blitzboards uh again huge shout out to blitzboards i've got mine behind me dylan has his as well um i wish chris was would have been here i would have asked him about his uh how it was using the blitzboard um, over at Michigan because uh, he went to that football game and it looked like uh, it was a good time. So again, great for family parties, great for tailgates, great for really anything. Um, you know, even if you're just hanging out with some friends, uh, it's a great time to, to pull it out. 
uh, which I think Cody ordered one. Uh, Cody Abrams, he ordered a Mackey Arena one, and I'm really excited to see what that looks like when he gets it. So, Cody, if you've gotten yours yet or um, whenever you do get yours, you're going to have to send a picture. Okay. But, uh, yeah, big shout-out to our sponsors over at Blitzboards and one of our newest sponsors over at Martin Vintage. Use code BXP at checkout for 10% off your next order. Um, they just came out with some new uh, merch not too long ago. Really, really cool. Um, I wore it for the first uh, basketball game of the year um, last week. Um, obviously, it's very good luck, so I'm going to continue to wear that. I'm not going to wash is, it all year. It is a quality shirt. Um, like, I got mine. It is nice. They really are. They hug you real. They like hug you, but not in the in a bad way, you know. Or what are those? Uh, what are the other shirts that people always talk about? They're like plain shirts that everyone's like, "Oh, hide your your man boobs" or whatever. It's like the true classic tees or something like that. I don't know. I was. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, that got way off the rails there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, shout out to to all of our sponsors there. I uh, appreciate it. You guys use code BXP at checkout at Martin Vintage. Um, you know, go to Blitzboards. Tell them we sent you there. Um, and of course, check out Big Banner as well for 13 really good podcasts and uh, blogs. <clears throat> oh, yeah. How was that running into Tyler? Yeah. Tyler, was he's a cool dude. It was cool meeting him on Saturday. Um, he's got a lot of a lot of music coming up. He's working on. He's got a few songs out there. If you look up on YouTube, um, SoundCloud, he's on Spotify. Yeah, he's got the the Boiler Up, Boiler Down um kind of anthem for purdue but he's also got some other songs out there he actually has a vet one too that i listened to that's it's pretty cool he shared that oh, on nice. uh on twitter uh but yeah there's a few other songs out there and he may or may not because i don't know if i'm allowed to say this or not but he may or may not have an Ooh, album insider com- completed or close to completed that we might be sharing on this pod so um yeah stay tuned yeah yeah he's working on intro so yeah. You know, it was my favorite part of you meeting Tyler was your text trying to find him. You sent a picture of like this area. You're like, where is he? And Dylan zooms in on He's like, he's literally right there. I'd never met the guy. I never met the I guy. Know, so I didn't funny. know. Well, guys, uh, great episode. Um, if you're still tuning in this point at this point, God love you. Um, you know, we really need you guys. So, um, uh, Russ, have you gotten your blitz board yet? Um, there it's in the works. I've seen some pictures of it, so I know it's coming soon. Rush Rush is ancient. Hashtag Rush is ancient from Nick Burris. Oh, uh, it wasn't enough that he beat me a couple weeks in the fantasy football there. We got to. Hey, you're still in a playoff spot, but you're the team that I think I can catch and sneak in the playoffs and pull out a dub. That's true. And I didn't even touch my team. And I think I had a couple of p- positions that were like on a bye week too. So. You had you had three guys on a bye when I played you this past week. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I haven't I thought touched about my saying something, but one. I didn't. And it ended up being a close game. So yeah. no, I, I haven't touched my team since week one, dude. I uh that's I get all excited about it at the beginning of the year, but then I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, and I just get frustrated and Well, the season's not over yet. We can get I think I'm in am I in ninth out of ten or eight out of ten or I'm like close to last, but I'm not last place though. So whoever that is. Yeah, our Sky U we called out last week that didn't even know he was in the league or kind of knew he was in the league. Um yeah, he's the one that's in last. <laughs> that's totally that's totally ski you. I'm sorry. Every time I read that, I never I never say sky you pod in my head. It's always ski you pod. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. Anyway, on that note, guys, we need to get the heck out of here before we all say something stupid. Um, 
So uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Appreciate you all. Boiler up, hammer down, and uh, let's beat Gonzaga on Monday, I think. So let's beat Gonzaga on Monday and have something cool to talk about on Tuesday. Boiler up. And Northwestern. Beat Northwestern, too. By billions.